With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Actually, two years ago, and I thought that it would be appropriate to review it again 
this time of the year, approaching the fall season and uh, uh, the holiday season, actually, where we find many of us are engaged in um, eating more than we usually do during the rest of the year because of the holiday season and celebrations. And uh, my wife and I both are vegetarians, myself, for more than 23 years, 24 years plus, my wife going on six years, and we have found uh, the vegetarian diet to be very advantageous in terms of maintaining good health and um, and good spirit, as well as uh, having uh, a good emotional balance. And I must just share with you for a moment about Stephen. I happen to know Stephen personally. Uh, I met him some 20 years ago in my travels and within the spiritual community, and uh, he was very instrumental in my becoming a vegetarian. Uh, Stephen has been both a devout vegetarian and an, uh, an advocate of vegetarianism for some 40 years. His articles and books have appeared in several languages, and he is a frequent contributor to such publications such as Vegetarian Times, uh, The Minaret, a, and uh, Back to Godhead, which is a monthly magazine of Vedic culture and spirituality, and We See See, uh, which is a West German philosophical journal. After completing his studies in Hebrew and biblical literature in New York City, he undertook several extensive tours of the Indian subcontinent, exploring vegetarianism as opposed to, uh, should I say, espoused within the Eastern religion and culture. And most recently, he has served as an editor-in-chief of the Journal of Vedic Heritage. And as a columnist, he's very much recognized within that regard. So uh, I'd like to share with you, and by the way, the show is uh, for half an hour. So it's going to be a pretty comprehensive, uh, rapid type of uh, uh, review of this book. Uh, and then next week we will, of course, for the next couple of weeks we will touch upon uh, aspects that I think will be germane and of interest. So let's just start by his uh, analysis of uh, a, the scientific perspective of vegetarianism. He also states that before any discussion of the religious and the moral rationale for vegetarianism, an examination of the scientific reasons for avoiding flesh as a food source should be given, of course. So, you know, he states that modern medicine offers ample evidence of the dangers of meat-eating. Cancer and heart disease are nearly epidemic in nations with a high per capita consumption of meat, while they rarely occur in societies with little meat consumption. There is also considerable scientific evidence that the health uh, of the teeth, the jaws, and the lung convoluted intestinal carnal and, and human beings are now naturally suited, if not naturally suited, to a diet that contains meat. So the value of this information and this evidence in the present of context is that vegetarianism on purely abstract or philosophical grounds rarely lasts. You know, that can last for a moment. The argument might be presented, and then, of course, it dies out, no pun intended. But without an awareness of the dietary facts, even the most ardent religionists are apt to adopt a meat-oriented diet. But on the other hand, it would be incomplete 
to adhere to a meatless diet without understanding the deeper meaning for humanity. And he explains it, you know, to outline the remaining portion of the introduction, that uh, the protein myth is one that I really uh, uh, embraced some years ago, and it got me excited as I started running uh, very seriously. Uh, my first marathon was some 34 years ago, and I ran 14 of them. And I've had friends of mine approach me and say, how can you run marathons? You know, uh, Wesley, you know, you, you, you don't eat any meat. You know, where do you get your protein from? Where do you get your energy from? And, of course, I would always smile because I had a, a rebuttal for that in, in, in inquiry. And um, I'll explain that later. Uh, first, let me just review what Stephen talks about in terms of the fear of protein deficiency is why many people never adopt a vegetarian diet. And, quote, can one get good quality protein and all that one needs from the non-meat diet, they ask. And he says that before answering this question, let us first define protein. Uh, the Dutch chemist, Gerard John Miller, uh, isolated a substance containing nitrogen, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and other trace elements. He showed this chemical compound to be the basis of all life, and he called it protein. And I'm happy I'm rereading this because this is really re-educating really myself. And what he says, a protein means first rank. It has been subsequently proven that protein is biologically essential. Every living organism must ingest a certain amount of it in order for it to survive. And this is what was found, and that is due to the fact that proteins are composed of amino acids, which are the building blocks of life. Now, plants can synthesize synthesize amino acids from air, earth, and water. But animals are dependent on plants for protein, either directly or by eating plants or indirectly by eating an animal which has eaten uh, metabolized plants. Actually, the animal has, has consumed and metabolized the plants. And only the, uh, the vegetable kingdom is capable of producing protein. Thus, humans have the option of obtaining it directly and with great efficiency from plants or indirectly and at great expense from uh, both financially and in terms of resources consumed from animal flesh. And one reason for the latter, the latter higher cost is that the animal has been forced to eat a tremendous amount of vegetable proteins in order to reach the, the slaughterhouse prescribed weight and, uh, before it's killed. So there are thus no amino acids in the flesh that animals do not derive from plants or that humans cannot also derive from plants. Moreover, eating food from the plant kingdom has the added advantage of combining amino acids with other substances that are essential to the proper utilization of protein, carbohydrates, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, hormones, chlorophyll, and other elements that only plants can survive, supply. So vegetarians should know, however, that of the theory of food combining, which some scholars say is essential if one wishes to obtain complete proteins, this concept, which is better known as protein complementary, uh, was popularized by Frances Moore Lapay in her best-selling book, Diet for a Small Planet. 
where she explains that complementary proteins are usually put together as a matter of course in a balanced vegetarian diet. So if we eat peanut butter, for example, we smear it on some bread, and this is how one generally eats peanut butter. But if we eat whole grain bread, we would have a better generous amount of protein. And uh, it's very interesting in terms of how this is all explained. And I think it's essential that we cover this because of the fact that a lot of us are not really, and myself included, uh, raised in an environment where we're aware of this knowledge. And if and I'm talking about within an immediate household. And um, I, saying immediately household, I just thought of my wife. She just walked into the studio. I must say hello to her and uh, have her um, say hello to you. The listening audience. Hi, honey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. So great to have you here, joining me here in the studio. Thank you. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> so did you get a chance to hear what I said uh, earlier regarding uh, protein and vegetables? Isn't that exciting? It's exciting because many people shy away from vegetarianism because they feel that their bodies will no longer get enough protein. Mm -hmm. So they, they really don't want to try a vegetarian diet. So it's important to know that you're not you're not missing anything by not eating meat. Absolutely. Because the foods that we do eat are loaded with protein. Matter of fact, we're having some kale for dinner. Yeah, kale has a lot of protein. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I yes. can't wait to, to eat the kale. Absolutely. Yeah, and the thing with kale is that it has so many benefits in terms of uh, uh, being an antioxidant. Yes. Uh, for those of us who suffer from uh, from diabetes, for yes. instance, and that's how we got introduced to to kale, right? Um, I was introduced to kale years ago from juicing it. Ah, aha, okay. And there's a juice, now I'm trying to remember, this was so long ago, but there was a juice bar in Harlem, Uptown Juice, I think it's the Uptown Juice Bar, mm -hmm. and uh, they serve carrot, beet, ginger, and kale, something mm. like that. But that's where I first got introduced to kale. It was from juicing, not necessarily from cooking it the way that I'm preparing it tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm careful not to overcook it. I'm also careful not to cook it at excessively high tempers, temperature ah, yes, yes. so that I don't um, remove the vitamins. I'm so happy you're sharing that, that information. That's very important because with uh, us being African-American, uh, with myself, you know, I know that in my family, in my uh, community immediate circle, we overcook the food. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, we added things to it to, to uh, enhance the taste, you know, the hammocks, hammocks and, and lard and what have you. Just a host of things which are really not not healthy. Yeah. And um, it's just a thing of understanding that if you overcook it, you're actually cooking out the the, the, the the nutrition. That's true. So there's a lot to say in terms of how we eat, uh, what type of food we eat. I think that many of us understand the fact that when we have a newborn baby, we are very careful about what we feed that baby. And um, we don't uh, feed it food that's too cold or too hot, and we want to make sure that the baby is getting as much nourishment as possible uh, in terms of uh, the food that we're feeding it, it, 
And we don't follow that same concern and and um, devotion to ourselves and each other when we become adults. And it's just something to say about that. That's true. We we don't as adults take care of ourselves the way we would take care of a child. Yeah. We we forget about ourselves. We don't nurture ourselves mm-hmm. as carefully. So I I think that we need to really uh, give ourselves a a a, a um, you know, take take heed and, and, and devote serious thought in terms of how we treat our body. And I'm always saying that this is a gift. This is, you know, something that the Most High has given us as spirit souls so that we can traverse this earthly plane to learn the lessons that we need to learn in this incarnation. So uh, it behooves us to do as much as we can for our bodies. Uh, I know that today's show, this evening's show, was titled uh, Vegetarianism and the World Religions. We're not going to touch so much on the world religions uh, this evening. We will do that next week. Um, And the religions that we will be touching upon include Christianity, Islam, uh, Buddhism, Judaism, and and a few other uh, religious orientations in terms of how they approach uh, the concept of vegetarianism, and also how the people, uh, the persons who were the um, uh, originators of the religion, uh, such as Jesus Christ, such as the Prophet Muhammad, praises be upon him, such as Ibrahim, uh, and a host of other uh, spiritual uh, 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 prophets and leaders, uh, how they engaged in terms of their diet, I think we will find this to be very interesting. So um, without any further ado, I'm going to just con- continue with what uh, Stephen shares with us regarding uh, the, the uh, element of, the, of what's contained within the protein uh, scenario. So he shares with us, it's when we eat that the body breaks the protein down into its constituent amino acids. And these are either utilized individually or reassembled into new proteins needed by the body. There are 22 known amino acids. 14 are non-essential and 8 are essential. Essential here simply means that we cannot manufacture them naturally within the body and must get them from our food. The essential amino acids are lutein, isoleucine, valine, isolysine, tyrolpofine, thyroquine, methionine, and polyethylene. All of these must appear according to Lappi, the um, person that Steve referred to earlier. And at any given meal in the right proportions to have a well-balanced diet, for this reason, up to the mid-1950s, meat was considered an excellent sort of protein. It has all the eight essential amino acids in the proper proportions. Nonetheless, nutritionists now agree that many vegetarian foods are equal to that as well, if not better than meat in terms of protein content. But these foods contain all the eight amino acids as well. In general, the rule for producing high-protein vegetarian dishes is to combine grains, uh, which is bread, pasta, etc., with legumes. 
which such as soybeans, lentil, peanuts, and so on, at the same mill as is done with the previously mentioned peanut butter sandwich. So nuts and seeds combined with legumes are even uh, with the, the cereals that you may consume in the morning usually will also provide a high-protein diet. So if milk products are included in the diet, there's even less chance of a protein problem, for milk also contains all the essential amino acids. It has also been determined that many green leafy vegetables, such as my wife and I were talking about earlier in the show, uh, we're about to eat kale uh, this evening for our dinner, uh, as a portion of our uh, vegetable, vegetables with our dinner. He also states that even potatoes have a considerable amount of complete protein, and an 8-ounce glass of carrot juice has the same quality and amount of protein as an egg. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, he also claims, by the information that Dr. John McDougall shares with us, that there is more than enough protein in individual vegetarian foods and uh, we should also recognize the fact that supported by nutritional experts and it's to this day, it's been challenged, but nonetheless, one uh, feels that the need to combine foods are is equally comfortable without food com combination. There's a simple and ample evidence that vegetarians do have ample supply of protein if they follow the regimen that is suggested by vegetarian cookbooks and other sources of information. Scientists at Harvard University have conducted a study and found that with a variety of vegetables, grains, and dairy products which were eaten together, the combinations produce more than adequate supply of daily protein. And their report, their report concluded that it was actually quite difficult to eat a varied vegetarian diet that would not exceed protein requirements for the human body. And I'm a great attestment for that. I'm, the, I'm 68 years of age. I've been a vegetarian more than half of my life, well, approaching maybe half of my life. And um, I've been told that I look healthy. I know that I feel healthy. And I ran my last marathon about two years ago. Uh, I didn't train adequately as I should have for that marathon. So it took me some time to recover. But uh, nevertheless, I did complete the full 26 miles, and I did recover from it. And I'm contemplating training for next year's marathon. But without that, you know, I'm just making a statement to say that there are many uh, associates of mine who are marathon runners, who are ultra-marathon, triathlons, and they indeed are very healthy as well as being vegetarians. And as I will share with you in next week's show, there are various uh, countries throughout the world who practice various religions, uh, such as Christianity, Islam, and uh, Judaism, and Hinduism, and a couple of other isms, and they're vegetarians, and they live to be a ripe old age. So I just wanted to share that particular aspect from a personal perspective, uh, my wife, uh, she's a vegetarian, and she doesn't look her age. She looks at least 10 years and sometimes even 15 years or more old, younger. And uh, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, indeed, and I say that with not 
flattery in mind. It's just a fact. You know, she's told that. I don't have to even tell her. She she has uh, uh, strangers to sometimes tell her that. And um, I don't attribute that entirely. I think the vegetarianism is uh, the, the the diet is a great is, uh, a reason for that being the case with herself and myself. However, um, I think there's another aspect in terms of your mental attitude. Because many of us are conditioned to think that as we get older, that we should look older. And we start doing things that are counter to the normal, uh, healthy way that one should uh, embrace aging. And um, and that is that we're, we've bought into uh, a, a, a mis- uh, uh, well, misinformation that is it, very inaccurate in terms of the average lifestyle of a human being uh, in the Western Hemisphere is something like between 50 to 60 years of age. If you reach the age of 80, then you're considered to be uh, one who has aged. Uh, and, and, and then, of course, uh, we have the other side of the coin where we understand that, yes, one can live to be over 100, you know, and, and that can happen by taking care of one's body and being proactive. And then there's also the, the premise that one can reverse the aging process. That's an interesting piece. You know, I'm still learning this area and, and in terms of the different schools of thought, and I'm deciding which school of thought I'm going to embrace. But there's a school of thought that states that every 30 days that your body um, replaces the cellular structure of your body, and that's in this whole entirety. And then there's a, uh, a school of thought that says every seven months this happens, and then, of course, every seven years. Uh, but the, there is this uh, newfound information and revelation that it's not really new. It's been known for ages, if not hundreds, if not thousands of years, that based on your food intake, that you're able to reverse the aging process, that you're able to reverse uh, the uh, illness that you may be suffering from, even in terms of terminal illness, that can be reversed through proper diet and also through a proper, or should I say, a, a healthy emotional attitude and a healthy spiritual uh, 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 type of position in terms of how you perceive life and how you perceive reality. So nothing is possible. Miracles are always just waiting to happen. You just have to be the receptacle. You just have to be open-minded to embrace these uh, new concepts in some uh, circles. And, of course, some of these concepts are very much uh, uh, aged, as it were. So I'm going to thank all of you for tuning in this evening. And uh, those of you in the guest room, I thank you for visiting us. And those of you who have called in, I Thank you for calling in. And, of course, we have a few minutes left. Um, if you'd like to share some thoughts, please push the number one button, and it would be my pleasure to uh, have you share your thoughts with us. Uh, so, yes, indeed, the book that we have been reviewing is titled Food for the Spirit, written by Bhakti Stephen Rosen. And um, it is a, a very exciting book. I, I, I'm so happy that I decided to uh, pick it up again. And before I end uh, this this uh, this session, uh, let me just quote something by Isaac Singer. 
he states that to be a vegetarian, and Isaac Singer is a, uh, a nuclear physicist, he's an author, uh, philosopher, and let me just go to a quoting what he says about being a vegetarian. He says, to be a vegetarian is to disagree, to disagree with the course of things today. Nuclear power, starvation, cruelty, we must make a statement against these things. And vegetarianism is my statement, he says. And I think that it's a strong one. He also says that Stephen Rawson makes a similar statement in his book, and although I do not necessarily agree with everything that he says point for point, I do find that his work is fascinating and convincing. He correctly points out that various philosophical points and philosophers and religious leaders, religious leaders have tried to convince their followers that animals are nothing more than machines put on the planet Earth for our pleasure with no purpose of their own. But however, Mr. Rawlson smashes his idea, and he states that every reader who is predisposed to the vegetarian ideal nice. can reason for doing this. So I encourage you to go to my website, uh, Drums of Change, all the books that I review can be purchased on my site, and of course, I look forward to speaking with you again about this subject next week. So, as always, I do give thanks to the Most High. As I begin, I, I offer you prayer and goodwill. And in closing, we give this day to you, O Lord, may our minds the things of spirit and goodness, and may we not be tempted to stray from love. As we begin this day, we open to receive you, and please enter where you already abide. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this day. We ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world, and may we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would have us be. Direct our footsteps and show us what you would have us do, and make the world a safe and more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures, heal us all, dear Lord, and use our hearts that we may know the joy of being used by you. We thank you again. Namaste, shalom, assalamu alaikum, one love, peace, love, and blessings. We'll talk to you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.